You're listening to Halloween Unleashed. God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to... Please stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 You're listening to Halloween Unleashed. Welcome, everybody, to Halloween Unleashed. I am your host, Chris Morgan, and this week we're going to continue our Movie Mistake uh, chronological episodic series. This week is all about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Now, I don't have a co-host this week. It's just me. Um... For my previous co-hosts that are listening to this, it's nothing you did, and I'm not kicking you off the show. I had an opportunity to get this done um, while I'm waiting on something to to come back to me at this point. Um, I had, had about 45 minutes. I figured I'd just go ahead and do this myself. And not have to get involved with anybody else's schedules except for my own. Uh, This should not be a fairly long episode, but uh, it is going to be a good episode. Now, um, we'll be back in two weeks for Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Um, I'm going to put a poll up, you know, not a poll, uh, a questionnaire type thing up for our our thread... (laughs) Uh, for those of you to, to ask your questions for Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Uh, that'll be in two weeks. Next week will be uh, Throwback Thursday. And, um, you know, numbers uh, have been extremely odd in recent weeks. You know, uh, the Halloween 6 episode, the, the, the He-Mask episode, 
Um, the How I Got Framed episode. Um, we're all extremely high numbers. Um, but, you know, the Halloween 2 episode and last week's throwback episode was surprisingly some of the lowest, it was the two lowest episodes in the entire run of me doing podcasting, and that's over two years. So, uh, really strange, to be honest with you. I mean, Throwback Thursday is just a, it's an odd beast all in itself, but it's it's just really strange how, you know, you'll have a string of episodes that, um, you think that you're finally figuring out your audience, you're finally figuring out the hot buttons, what people are wanting to hear, and then all of a sudden it poo-poo's all over itself. And it just, you still can't figure out a pulse. So here we are, you know, I'm going to finish what I started uh, with um, with the franchise uh, with the movie mistakes, we're going to get through the entire franchise, and then we're going to get back to talking masks. Um, maybe doing more episodes like this where it's just me. Who knows? But um, we're going to do the best we can to get through today. If you want to uh, buy yourself a piece of merchandise, go over and check out our store. That's tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash chrism1229. Uh, a lot of really cool uh, pieces of merchandise in there. Those that have bought pieces of merchandise, we thank you. Uh, we're able to do a lot of really cool stuff for the podcast with uh, the money spent there. So keep it coming. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and jump into Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Now, uh, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch came out in 1982, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, um, who was a costume designer on the first two Halloweens. Really good friend with uh, Nick Castle and John Carpenter. Um, The three of them had a band together. And uh, if you ever meet them as a trio, they're more willing to talk about their band than they are really about movies. So... They have a huge love um, for one another and for the music industry. But um, Halloween 3 definitely took a, a, a hard right or left turn, depending upon what you like to say. I like to say a hard left turn because uh, I'm left-handed. So um, it took a really hard left turn from the from the franchise in itself. Um you know, by this point, Michael Myers had become some sort of a celebrity status in, in a sense. The first two Halloweens, very, very successful. Uh, but uh, this one um, took on the Halloween name, but has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Those of you that listen to this podcast, I don't need to, I don't need to explain that to you. Um. But Season of the Witch was a little bit more of an odd curiosity, um, a cautionary tale in slasher film history. Um, but they but they definitely fucked with the formula if they just didn't call this Halloween uh, or Halloween 3 and just called it Season of the Witch or something else that had a Halloween-inspired theme to it. 
Um, I think this would be ranked a lot higher amongst uh, Halloween and horror fans in general, but it does have its own cult following. I myself love this film. I didn't so much uh, when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I have uh, come to appreciate what Tommy Lee Wallace was trying to do and what the producers wanted to do with this franchise to change it up. But, um, you know, producers John Carpenter and Deborah Hill came back. If they were going to continue with the franchise, they were going to do an anthology series of films that were going to come out every couple years that was going to have nothing to do with, uh, with Myers because the way they looked at it is the Halloween universe um, they finished the the story of Michael Myers after Halloween 2. Now, this was going to take a completely bold and brand new direction. If this was successful, they would have kept going with it. So, um, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, the entire crew from Halloween 2 returned for this. Um, and a lot of the same crew was involved. Then, of course, you had... Um, you know, Alan Howarth coming back, um, teaming up with John Carpenter on the score. And, uh, you know, pretty much it's just, I don't think that, uh, that this movie gets enough credit that it, that it deserves campy, cheesy, absolutely. But it was the early eighties. It's what the norm was, but I appreciate it for going out on a limb and trying to be something different. Um, fact number one, Nigel Neal had his name taken off the screenwriting credit. Um, this season of the witch's script is credited solely to Tommy Lee Wallace, but it, it, it is a little misleading because in truth, Nigel Neal, uh, was well known at the time for creating a quartermass character of countless British films and TV shows, uh, wrote the original script. Deborah Hill had been pushing a story idea about witchcraft meeting the computer age and Neal was hired to flesh that out. And put his uh, put a stamp on it. And according to Wallace in the Blu-ray making of, um, you know, he basically said that he had uh, Nigel had some lousy experiences in Hollywood from his perception. As a general rule, Hollywood had mangled his stuff, so it's almost like he had a chip on his shoulder when he came onto the project. When he turned in his screenplay, any criticism that was given to him. Uh, was met with severe resistance, and uh, they did have some criticism. It was moody, it was dark, it was fascinating. Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace loved it. Um, he says that more than 60% of what he did, um, he he loved it. Um, you know, it it. But but the thing is, is like everything when you're in a creative aspect. People are going to have different, different visions, and the, and I don't mean I'm on this island, you're on that island. It, it's it's kind of the same thing with um, whether it be a piece of artwork or a mask or anything like that. The collector or the person purchasing this piece of art has a vision. So you hand me that vision. And say, this is what I'm thinking. But if you're kind of, you have it already pictured in your head of how it's supposed to look. 
and then me as the artist, I come out with the interpretation of what you told me. It's always not it's not always going to line up. In fact, you can take the same script. Let's just take Halloween 3's script. You can take that script, hand it to five different directors. Hand it one to Tommy Lee Wallace, hand one to John Carpenter, hand one to Rick Rosenthal, hand one to uh, Steve Miner, hand one to Rob Zombie. You're going to get five different completely different films with the same with the same wording but uh the characters the people who play them the portrayal the direction everything's going to be 100 percent different because it's all about interpretation which is why i always say to each and every single character character customer that asks me to convert something for them if they are so dialed into minute specifics I always tell them, you know, you might want to take this to somebody else because I'm at a point in my career where it doesn't matter how good of a job I do or how bad of a job I'm I'm going to do. It's never going to live up to the vision or the expectation you have in your head. So it's just easier for me, this is me, um, to just walk away from it completely and not even set you or myself up for disappointment. So, you know, a lot of that kind of happens. So, anyway, that's just that's just my take on it. But uh, Nigel Neal, out. Tommy Lee Wallace, in. So, um, I was a little bit surprised by this, but I was also kind of disappointed. There was a no nipple clause in Stacy Nelkin's uh, contract. You know, she gave him permission to shoot the boob. Everything about her being naked on certain aspects, but she had a no nipple clause in her contract where her nipple could not be seen. Uh, there was a shot of um, Tom Atkins uh, sucking on her nipple. Uh, man, yeah, I feel so bad for him that he had to do that. Um, but, uh, she was, she was banging back in the day. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much, um, you know, there was a no nipple clause in the contract and, um, so they had to shoot around cover-ups. Um, the next thing is number four on the, or number three on the list this is something that I've always wondered and then doing my research on this it made me really try to search for even more answers. But apparently even Tommy Lee Wallace is not sure when Ellie was replaced as an android or if she was an android all along. That always kind of made me wonder because um, I'm almost kind of thinking that at the time that we started to think something was off with her, she was already replaced as an android. I don't think she was an android through the entire film. I think uh, the actual Ellie person was killed off and then replaced uh, with the android robot. Because, again, the everything with it completely changes uh, about her character. And But Tommy Lee Wallace doesn't even know. He, he said on many occasions he doesn't have any idea whether she was a damn robot or not. Uh, he didn't think it through clearly. I think if you're going to go do something like that, introduce a plot hole like that, 
that's something that needs to be maybe not so carefully hand spoon fed to us, but we need some sort of a payoff. Like, were we watching an Android through the entire film or was it something that she was killed off and replaced? And it could have been when Tom Adkins uh, there towards the end, trying to make the, make the rescue and the escape and all that stuff could have been something um, that they just showed. Maybe the dead Ellie laying in the side, if she was replaced, it could have, no dialogue just could have been something for the viewer for us to get that payoff. It's my opinion. Um, the subplot with the cor coroner's assistant was added during the reshoots. Um, you know, so that was added in. Nobody knows why, um, but that's really, I guess, to kind of build up uh, um Dan's uh, charm, they added this little subplot in to make it that Ellie's not the only one who could resist uh, his charm. So, um, I've always said this, and so this was no shock to me. Uh, number five on the list, the sh the Silver Shamrock jingle was really just London Bridges with different, uh, uh, with different uh, lyrics or whatever. So it was... Uh, uh, it was really funny. So according to Alan Howarth, uh, Deborah Hill had told them that you and John are going to make this theme and you're going to use London Bridges so we don't have to worry worry about copyright. Wallace sang the lyrics himself and then they sped it up a la the Chipmunks. Wallace also provided the voice of the cheesy radio announcer. And uh, something else I didn't know, the androids were almost all ginger. Uh, Michael Myers is kind of in season of the witch. I don't mean just by that one shot by the, of him in the TV commercial for Halloween in the movie, but the stuntman Dick Warlock, as everybody knows, played Michael Myers in Halloween too. Also plays the most notable Android in, uh, assassin in season of the witch. He's the one who rips up the, the homeless man's head off and nearly does the same thing to Dan. Uh, but other than Warlock, though, most of the androids and creepy guys in suits at um, at Shamrocks are unknown. Um, but uh, basically, the call went out from Season of the Witches production to send them uh, nothing but redheads, since uh, Wallace loved the idea of Shamrock only building androids who kind of look Irish. I just thought that was kind of funny. Um Tom Adkins and Tommy Lee Wallace's wives are, are in the movie. Um, Nancy Keys, who also played Annie in Halloween, um, is in there as Dan's ex. Tom Adkins, wife of the time. Garn Stevens is poor Marge Gutman. Um, and both couples coincidentally have broken up since. Uh, apparently Universal uh, hated the ending. Um, which I don't understand. I, I, I thought that the breaking the fourth wall in the ending was, was great. You know, the way I always looked at it is like, what's not to like about that ending? It leaves it open to the possibility of the villain succeeding in his plot to murder, murder the country's children, but also closes on a shot of the hero shouting and staring directly at the camera a la invasion of the body snatchers. I have always loved that, that, 
last shot of him breaking the fourth wall and staring right into the camera. So, um, but anyway, uh, you know, everything apparently, or at least universe, universal thought, um, you know, that, that, that the entire ending was bad. But uh, Tommy Lee Wallace told uh, several different outlets, and most notably Yahoo, that John Carpenter called him um, after they had turned the movie in and said that they hate the ending. And to John's uh, eternal credit, he said, your ending is your ending. It's, it's up to you. But uh, I'm going to leave it in your hands and you decide. And uh, Tommy Lee Wallace didn't think about it for a long time before he said, let leave it as is. And as soon as that decision was made, universal gave up and decided not to support the movie, which bye bye. Um, the budget on the film was two and a half million and it grossed 14.4 million domestic. So, uh, if we count for inflation costs with the benefit of ticket prices nowadays, Season of the Witch would have grossed over $43 million domestic today, um, which uh, the movie 47 Meters Down grossed $44 million. Nerve uh, grossed $38 million for today's horror movie. So would have done okay. So anyway, now let's talk about movie mistakes. All right. Every movie has them, and every movie has a list of them. So I'm going to go through the most notable ones that I found interesting. Uh, during the scene where Dr. Chalice uh, goes to visit uh, his two kids, they put on their Halloween masks, um, and his little son says, let's watch TV. He goes to turn the knob um, on the TV, and he's... A split second before he turns it, we can hear the intro of the commercial on the television. Happens all the time in movies, especially older movies. There's a factual error. The big giveaway that happens at 9 p.m. across the entire country would have had to have happened at least five different consecutive times due to time zones. The big giveaway in the, in the most eastern time zone would be successful, but further west it would be earlier than 9 o'clock. Continuity mistake when uh, when little buddy and his family are being murdered by the use of the li of, of uh, little buddy's pumpkin mask. The silver shamrock tag on the back of the mask disappears and reappears several times. Continuity mistake during the scene where Doctor Chalice uh, is at the bar and Ellie walks in to find him. Uh, look carefully as Ellie approaches Chalice. In the long shot, Chalice takes a drag from his cigarette. And is exhaling the, exhaling the smoke just as Ellie walks up. But a split second later, Chalice is not blowing any smoke out. In fact, there isn't even any smoke around where he would have exhaled. So, kind of funny. Uh, continuity mistake. Right after Ellie was kidnapped, Dr. Chalice runs to a payphone and dials the operator to get help. And begins to state, Operator. And then gets a recording. Not only does he get a recording, which would be impossible in the real world, but the recording itself states that your call cannot be completed as dialed. 
please check the number and dial again or call your local operator. <laughs> Problem is, he was dialing the operator. Explain that one to me. Plot hole. In what appears to be at least an hour or so after cur curfew is put into effect, Chalice goes to a liquor store. Even if he didn't know about the curfew, why would the liquor store still be open? Good question. Continuity mistake. Ellie and Rafferty stand outside the hotel while Chalice goes to check in. The sunlight is seen brightly shining on the windows of the hotel as Rafferty draws attention to Mr. Cochran's car. The scene cuts to an interior shot of Rafferty and Ellie as seen from Mr. Cochran's point of view inside the car. Looking out, looking at the windows of the hotel, it's, obviously, it's obvious that the sun is at a different position from where it was just a moment before, and the light of the day has faded. Happens all the time in movies, too. Different times that they're filmed, different days, etc. Continuity mistake. Towards the end of the movie, Chalice's shirt goes from untucked to tucked several times in between shots. I never noticed that, but now I will. It'll stand out like a sore thumb. Continuity mistake. During the test on Little Buddy, after the family has all been killed, the camera switches angles from an in-room shot to a monitor shot, and these shots, it's clear Little Buddy's legs have changed their position several times. I, I, I have noticed that. Factual uh, error right after the assassin kills Harry Grimbridge in the hospital. He walks out to his car to set himself on fire. We see him pour gasoline on his face and chest and f flick the lighter. And immediately the car blows up. This is near impossible in order for the car to blow up. The fire would have had to reach the fuel tank or the lines the body would have to sit burning in the car for a little while in order for the fire to properly spread uh, to certain areas to make that happen. Secondly, there would have been many real-life instances where bodies have been set afire inside cars and the cars never have blown up. I think even Myth Mythbusters has proven that. Continuity mistake during the night scene where, where Ellie is walking back to the hotel room. A wide camera shot of the entire parking lot shows no cars, not even theirs, adjacent to the walkway. A second later, as Ellie gets closer to the hotel room, Miss Gutman's car is now there and honks the horn at her. Continuity mistake. After the old man is killed in the hospital, the killer gets into his car and sets himself on fire with gasoline. The car then explodes, causing the fire, causing parts of the car to shoot all over the parking lot. These car parts are on fire and surrounded um, and surround the car, but a few seconds later they have disappeared. That makes perfect sense. Different shots, different thing. It, you're not shooting from your master anymore at that point. Factual error. At the end of the movie, we see Dr. Chalice rushing to the gas station payphone with seconds to spare, calling the network's I'm sorry, not the payphone, uh, the gas station phone with seconds to spare, calling the networks to try and prevent the deadly commercial from airing. Most impossible, uh, all, I mean most, almost impossible for several reasons. First off, Chalice only calls one network, we don't know which one, and yet they seem to pull the commercial from 
two of the three main stations, which is unlikely not all the networks are affiliated. And we definitely didn't have the internet or instant uh, instant communication back then. Secondly, without any special credentials, it is near impossible to get something pulled off the air, even in a legitimate emergency. Third and lastly, it seems even more impossible that given all the above, any of this could have been done in under a minute's time. Agree 100%. Revealing mistake during the part when the day reaches October 31st, various scenes show children um, and happenings with their Halloween masks throughout very, various portions of the country getting ready for the big giveaway. Included with this is the scene showing Dr. Chalice's two kids again sitting in front of the television with their masks on. But they're wearing the same exact clothes they had on when he had stopped over at their house eight days earlier. This scene was obviously... Uh, cutting room floor from that previous scene. Continuity mistake. Dr. Chalice enters his ex-wife's home. <laughs> I just thought it was going to say entered his ex-wife. That would have been awesome. Uh, but anyway, enters his ex-wife's home with his coat over his head from the rainstorm. His hair is slightly wet, but the coat itself appears to not have a drop on it. Kind of funny. Factual error, the story takes uh, takes time the last week of October. When Chalice and Ellie are on their way to Santa Mira, the trees have green leaves. Even in California, this isn't usual. Continuity mistake, when Dan is peering through the ventilation grate at the control room, we see Crockerin hanging up the phone. And the next shot, close up, Cochran still has, uh, hasn't put the phone down. Happens all the time in movies. Revealing mistake during the scene uh, right after Dr. Chalice breaks into Silver Shamrock and comes uh, upon the old lady, quote, robot, in the chair knitting. It is easy to tell if you look at the movements of the hands before Chalice grabs her. It's indeed a real person, probably a stunt person, doing all the knitting. And the hands are real. And then when Chalice grabs her and she comes apart, the hands and, her, uh, and other body parts um, on, are on the floor, all plastic with gears. Uh, factual error during the scene where Cochran and Dr. Chalice tied up in the chair with the mask on in front of the television. Dr. Chalice eventually moves the chair close enough to the television where he literally kicks right through it. Um, this seems highly inaccurate on several levels. First of all, Dr. Chalice's upper legs were still tied down, which would have limited his strength considerably. Second, but most importantly, the television itself, nor the cart it was it was on, weren't anchored down or bolted down in any fashion. Uh, so, to be able to put his feet straight through without uh, through the television without knocking it over would have been impossible. And lastly, another revealing mistake in Buddy Kupfer's death scene as Little Buddy falls onto the floor and the creatures exit his mask. His hand moves across the floor and one shot after several creatures have already exited the mask. Even the rattlesnake wouldn't have had the power to do that. Um, and it's obvious he is dead. So... Um, Oh, I thought that was it. 
thought that was in. We got more. Uh, plot hole. At the very end of the film where Dr. Chalice sneaks in behind one of the computers and turns on the commercial in hopes of destroying Cochran and all of his robot employees. Once the commercial starts, you see some of the employees panic and go into hysterics and try playing around with the computers to try and stop the commercial. But they seem to not know what they are doing. However, uh, only 20 minutes earlier, Cochran's employees knew exactly how to start and stop the commercial perfectly when doing the test on little Buddy and his family. Factual error uh, towards the end of the movie. We see Dr. Chalice hide among some of the boxes, running from Cochran's men. Chalice then finds uh, a phone on the wall and dials his ex-wife, attempting to warn her of Cochran's plans. When he dials her, he only pushes five buttons on the phone, even without an area code. In the United States, all phone numbers always had seven numbers. Another mistake, why is it that Marge only discovers the microchip in the silver sham shamrock badge when it drops to the floor in the motel room? Surely she would have noticed when her son would have thrown the mask against the wall and it dropped off. Continuity mistake, during the scene where Dr. Chalice is outside talking to the bum, the camera shot from behind shows us Dr. Chalice taking a huge drag from a cigarette as the bum is talking about Silver Shamrock having its last Halloween. A split second later, in front of the camera, shot now shows Chalice replying to the bum, but no cigarette smoke is being exhaled from his mouth as it should be. Man, this has happened several times throughout this film. Revealing mistake, watch closely during the scene where Ellie Grimbridge arrives at the hospital room to uh, ID her dad. Mr. Grimbridge, uh, who the night before had been murdered, as she says, let's get it over with. There's a door behind her. On the door is a tag which has the room number. The shadow on the door is about five inches below the room number tag. A split second later, the camera switches to a shot of Dr. Chalice watching Ellie and then back to Ellie and the door. The shadow is now even to the room number tag, which means that the scene was probably shot a half hour later, yet the sequence of happening was only just a few seconds. Happens all the time. Revealing mistake. This is the last one. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, we see Cochran's uh, assassins enter Mr. Grimbridge's room at the hospital to gouge out his eyes and rip his skull backward. The assassin then wipes blood from his gloves on the curtains. However, when the camera pants back to Grimbridge, he is just squinting and his eyes are closed really hard. If you look close, his eyelids even flinch a little bit. <laughs> they still didn't figure that out from Halloween 2 with, uh, with Annie. That's kind of funny. Um, I know this isn't on the list, but I'm going to go ahead and add it. Uh, the, uh, the, the factory for the Silver Shamrock was actually Don Post Studios. So for those of you that didn't know that, yep, that is Don, uh, the historic Don Post Studios. So little trivia for you there. If I missed anything, be sure to uh, hit us up, uh, post it in the group, shoot us a, uh, a voice memo. And, uh, you know, on the next, uh, 
Throwback Thursday, we do have a voice memo that I'm going to play from Dylan Parker um, that he sent in a couple weeks back. And Dylan, I haven't forgot about you. I've just been waiting for the right time to play it. Next episode will be there. All right, we appreciate you, and uh, we will see you next time. Uh, If you haven't joined, go over to uh, your Facebook app and just type in Halloween Unleashed the podcast and we will be the first one up we pretty much approve everyone uh, but if you're a known uh, shit starter or you come in there and start uh, starting shit we're gonna kick your ass out immediately we have no time for people being dicks um, or people that have been known troublemakers in the past so with that being said We will see you uh, next week for Throwback Thursday. And then we will be back two weeks from today with Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers.